0: Welcome to episode three of Speaking Up. This is a podcast about people standing up for the truth, stepping up on the issues of the day, and speaking up when it matters most. I'm your host, Miles Taylor. I'm very excited to be hosting this on Call In, a social podcasting app that allows us to take questions from listeners. And we have a very special guest today. It is Barbara Comstock. She was a congresswoman from the state, or rather the Commonwealth of Virginia. I know I'll get in trouble for saying that wrong. And uh, we're we're really thrilled to talk to her today. She's someone who's been a major reformer within the Republican party and in the American political system. Congresswoman, thank you for joining us.
1: Great to be with you today.
0: Uh, I wanna kick off with some of the leading news of the day. So President Biden announced today that we're going to ban Russian oil imports in the United States. I, I want to ask you, how significant is this in your view? And, and, and then I want to talk a little bit about some of the domestic political ramifications that could come from this. But, but what does this say to you uh, as, a, as a next step in, in the fight against the Russian invasion of Ukraine?
1: Well, I think you've seen over the past few weeks, um, not just the American people, but the entire international community coming together in whatever ways we can uh be helpful and, and clearly standing with Ukraine, standing with President Zelensky, and standing up to Putin. So it's it's one more step. You know, I there certainly needs to be more. Um, you know, I certainly, you know, I've always supported energy independence. And so I'm still a Republican and, you know, support, you know, the all of the above and doing whatever we can um, so that we are the dominant en- energy provider in the world, obviously, you know, that the you know, Russia was always trying to, you know, use that as a weapon. So I, I think and there's a lot of things on that front we can continue to do. But I'm glad, you know, we're turning that way.
0: What's this going to mean for Americans at the pump? And, and, and how do you think the administration can help blunt that? I mean, are we now going to be fronting the cost of the conflict in, instead of, uh, you know, uh, you know, making Russia pay. I mean, how how, how are Americans, you think, going to respond to this?
1: Well, I mean, we, we look at what the Ukrainian people, what they're suffering, what they're dealing with, and I think that's why you've seen polls saying 70 percent of Americans are saying, you know, we we're willing to make some sacrifices, too. I don't think we exactly know what the impact will be, but I think there's been a strong response on doing this. And I think. In order to lessen that impact, not just in the U.S., but around the world, increasing our domestic production and, you know, turning back on any of the areas that uh, President Biden turned off would be a good thing to do, too. And that's going to have He's going to have to have a sister soldier moment, I think, standing up to his left on that. So, you know, there are people on both sides who've been wrong on a lot of things dealing with Putin and um, I think this is a moment where the left is going to have to join in the sacrifice and say like, we can still do all of the above energy without harming, you know, without being helpful to Russia.
0: You had when you were in Congress, you had been on the Energy sure, please Subcommittee please. on the Committee on Science, Space, and Technology. You also were on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. Uh, you know better than anyone that President Biden's moves are likely to have domestic political ramifications because, look, prices will likely go up, right? Prices will go up at the pump for a period of time until America can increase production to offset it. Um, Although you're a Republican, although you've got real differences with President Biden, as do I on a range of issues, is this in some ways a a semi-courageous domestic political move? I mean, he, he had to have gone into this knowing it could cost him uh, from an electoral standpoint,
1: well sure, but listen you know biden 's in a bad position you know i mean he 's in the position that Donald Trump was in two thousand and eighteen, and his polls are abysmal, so you might as well do the right thing and so uh, you know good policy is good politics, so I, I think this is the right thing to do, and I think there'll be more of those things that he 's going to need to do to in, in terms of political impact. But right now, the urgency of the moment, and I think the um, sincerity and authenticity and the immediacy of Zelensky's appeals to us have really been what's turned around, Um, not just President Biden, but the entire European Union, Germany increasing their defense um, efforts. So all of these things are, I think, the people are leading and now the leaders are following. And I think that tells people that if you're courageous, you know, I think Zelensky's courage is contagious. If you stand up and do the right thing, um, you know, you will have more join you. I mean, his direct appeals, you know, seeing him on a big screen where there are tens of thousands of people in European capitals, um, and, and, and around the world, speaking directly to our senators. I think all of these things are what's turning things around. And I think if, if a political leader listens to the people, not just to some of the loud voices, you're going to um, do better politically, but, you know, your legacy and doing the right thing is, is the most important. And certainly Biden at this level should know that.
0: I want to ask you about maybe opportunities for bipartisan collaboration amidst the Ukraine crisis. Do you see some new opportunities here? I mean, Washington is divided sort of at historic levels at the moment. Um, Are there things like energy independence and some aspects of foreign aid now that you think are going to lead to more bipartisan cooperation?
1: Yes, I do think there's a good opportunity for the grownups to, you know, get back in charge here. And I think you're you're seeing more of that. And, you know, when you have what is it over 80 percent of people are anti-Putin, you know, the voices of, say, Tucker Carlson or Donald Trump that were praising him. And uh, that's been rejected by the American people. So again, when the people lead on something like that and say, no, we don't like Putin, I don't know what you whatever you say about him not getting on team Putin. And so this is where, you know, kind of particularly maybe some of those silent Republicans who haven't really wanted to take on Donald Trump can really take on leadership on these issues in a way they maybe haven't done before. And just move into that, what I really do think is good for the, for the, not just the party, but more importantly, for the country, a post-Trump, post-pandemic world where we deal with crises um, in a, you know, in in a reality that, you know, that that we're in now, not, you know, the sore loser land of of Trump world.
0: So tell tell us about the sore loser land of Trump world. So, (laughs) you know, you've made. A name for yourself in pushing back against Trump, Trumpism from the right, urging fellow Republicans around the country to move on, and and some are starting to listen. You know, there's a recent poll that showed that Trump's support among Republican primary voters is actually diminishing. Uh, you know, fewer and fewer of them want to see him as the leader of the party. Now, granted, a majority of Republicans still say they want Trump to be the leader of the party, but uh, that favorability has dropped 10 or 20 points from you know the high 70s down to the uh, mid to high 50s. But what does that tell you? Do, you? do you think the party is starting to heed the warnings about Donald Trump? Is, is there light at the end of the tunnel here?
1: Yeah, well, I think there might be sort of a, uh, intersection here of, you know, his strong policy moral need to do the right thing, you know, on the international level, but also domestically, uh, while you also see Trump fading in legal trouble, you know, uh, bleeding the RNC for money, um, you know, his social media company so far being a bust. And a recognition that this is a guy who only got 47% in 2020, um, lost the popular vote twice, was twice impeached. And even if you think, hey, he, maybe he's only lost 10%, say, of the people who supported him in 2020. Well, now you're down to 42%. And that's not a path to win. So I happen to think it's the wrong thing to do to support him. But it's also politically stupid. So even the people who might want to see, I mean, there is that group that says, Hey, they just want to be in charge of a shrinking minority. I mean that there is a reality that some of these people who are in very red districts, they never care if they're in the majority. they just you know want to be in charge of you know this shrinking pie that they would do so um that's a problem, but you know I think most Republicans in this sort of you know what Zelensky has done is put i think such a contrast to both Putin and trump like here's somebody who is you know just being authentic um Doing the morally right thing and saying, you know, let's get back to, you know, basics of what certainly I think, you know, when I think of Reagan and the Pope and Maggie Thatcher rallying for a cause. That's mm-hmm. the Republican Party I know. And I think in the post pandemic, post Trump world, let's, we have the Pope here. We have the European Union, something that Trump didn't have. And we um, have uh, the American people. So that certainly would you think would get both Democrats and Republicans united to uh, do something about that. And so, and I do think you're going to start seeing uh, Trump supported candidates lose at the polls. I mean, the prominent ones so far that are trailing and look likely to continue to trail are, um, you know, David Perdue challenging governor Kemp in Georgia. Um, And, you know, that looks like governor Kemp is going to be fine in that primary. Um, Trump supported a candidate in Idaho who's badly trailing um, the incumbent governor there. And then you have, uh, you know, the, uh, I think it was Joe Kent, who's challenging my friend Jamie Herrera Butler up in Washington state. And he's out saying he's on Putin's side. Well, if 80% of the American people are not on Putin's <laughs> side, being on Putin's side, that's going to, you know, you're going to implode. And then there's the infamous J.D. Vance, um, who's just said, you know, reprehensible things um, in in a state where he's running with 43,000 Ukrainians in Ohio. He said he doesn't care about the Ukrainians. Well, that's not where the American people are at. And I don't think that's even where the Republicans are at. So I think you're going to see J.D. Vance losing after his, you know, just obsequious appealing to Trump and other candidates like that who are going to go by the wayside um, Lisa Murkowski is is still is is leading and I, and again you know certainly I, I expect Liz Cheney will win and then that's going to be the sore loser is going to keep losing and you know his businesses aren't going anywhere and he's got all these problems and it's going to take the shine off um which is why I agree with uh, Jonathan Carl who said he does not think he's going to run again and i I don't either because I don't think he could bear being a loser again and that if we're if Republicans are dumb enough to nominate him again, um, he will lose. Because I also do not think, you know, because they're like, oh well, he can beat Biden. Biden's not gonna be the Democrat nominee. I mean, if this country has to have a rerun of these two old guys who are not particularly appealing, competent, or popular, you know, they've all they both managed to get the the lowest, you know, ratings in the thirties, um, just, you know, a year or so in. Um, we can do better in a country of over 300 million people. And I do think there will be a, a leader who will rise to the moment. I do not know who that will be, but I think um, we, we have to have some like that. And I'm confident we will.
0: So uh, Barbara Comstock, crystal ball moment here. You think that Trump's political future is going to go the way of Trump steaks, Trump vodka and Trump university?
1: Yes. And, you know, they did in 2020 also. It's just he's kept up this big, absurd lie and people being afraid to challenge it. But more and more people are coming, you know, and the Trump people will say, well, we're dominating. We can win the primary. It's like, you know, well, you know, you'll be cream of the crap. You know, you're not going to get enough people to be able to um, win that way. But I think we also have to recognize and, and I don't. I really do distinguish between Trump and the Trump grifters around him who are scamming people and the people, some of whom I think are unfortunately being scammed and and don't realize that because they feel, you know, that they've been shunned by elites. Listen, you know, the pandemic has shown like the whole education community, um, you know run by the unions. And, and my husband's in education, has been for 30 years. My mom's an educator, my sister. So that failure um, of those elites, you know, hurting people, you know, I understand people don't like that. And and I understand, you know, that they, you know, they may feel like, hey, this is a guy who listened to us. But that's where I think we need to have a man or a woman who says, I hear you, I'm listening to you but this isn't just about grievances this is about how do we improve your lives increase your opportunities and you know really advance as a country and advance the lives of your children and I think you know in Virginia I I did support uh, Glenn Youngkin I don't agree with him on everything but I think he was appeal you know he said very clearly I want You know, pro Trumpers. I want anti Trumpers. I want independents and open-minded Democrats. You know, I want everything in between. And he didn't make the election about Trump. He made it about education and parents, taxes and the economy. And I I think that that post-pandemic focus that we need to have in what is the new world, new ways to work, being more flexible, um, giving more control to parents, um, and working together and getting things done. You know, I mean they. Remove the mask mandates in Virginia, and I, I supported masks. I support vaccines, but they came together and kind of said okay it 's time we can take this off and It was done on a bipartisan basis, and I give the governor credit for doing that, and I think you know now he 's working on um, you know, jobs issues, and that 's good too, so I think we 've already seen a path with candidates like Glenn, and I think there will be others who hey, we can still have good Republican conservative policy without having you know, somebody who disrespects the Constitution violated it, according to his own attorney general and many other um, staff. And you saw that up close and personal yourself. I certainly did. So, you know, this he kept hoping, oh, he couldn't do anything else. And then he keeps going lower and lower and lower. And I think that the Putin praise was, you know, he keeps going, digging lower in the basement. That's what he does. And I think more people see that and will slowly but surely leave.
0: Well, B- Barbara, I always used to tell people um, the Trump administration is not nearly as bad as it looks on the outside. It's so much worse. Yes, <laughs> and I know, exactly. I know you saw that as well. And, and, and it's sort of incredible that week over week, you know, and now years after this administration has ended, we're continuing to uncover still shocking, and in some cases, not so shocking developments. Um, you know, you, you mentioned one of them uh, this week, it got a lot of attention. You've you called out Trump's final chief of staff, Mark Meadows, for what appears to have been voter fraud. C- can you walk us through that for people who haven't seen that news story? It's sort of, breathtaking hypocrisy and and says everything you need to know about yes uh, and yeah and
1: just you know i will was point out you know just the the allegations and the story by the new yorker which looks fairly detailed and then the washington post i think this morning did um additional digging into it and the facts um indicate that mark meadows registered to vote someplace in north carolina that according to the records that we reviewed you know that the press reviewed that he never lived and they and he is not responding to it nor is his lawyer or his spokesperson so that certainly is damning also so I think you know, oftentimes you know, and when you go back and you look um which I had looked at a few of the um statements that he made you know about uh, absentee voting and all, and he's saying, you know, oh, you know, there's not enough checks on it and things like this. Well, in North Carolina, apparently you can register to vote absentee, and then he voted absentee. And I think one of the reports indicated that the handwriting on both his and his wife's application were the same. So I think there's a lot of things here that certainly are deserving of investigation. I think if any Democrat or, uh, you know, any member of of Biden's family had done any of this. I I think it would be full-time Fox News. Um, So I I certainly think that is something worthy of of further investigation, and I guess perhaps federal. Um, And, uh, you know, certainly I would hope after uh, the referral that was sent over from Congress on his contempt for not cooperating on the investigation that, um, you know, that we will see the kind of action from the Justice Department that we've already seen with Steve Bannon, um, because I think people want to see accountability, and I think that's always been a Republican principle: accountability, rule of law. I mean, in my lifetime, I, you know, I've lived through four impeachments now, just in my lifetime. I've supported them all, and because I feel like, you know, it's you have to have the rule of law and accountability, and even if it's your team that does something wrong. I mean, when I was in Congress, when one of my team members. You know, that when there were serious allegations of sexual harassment, whether it was Democrat or Republican, I called for them to resign. And I think we have to get back to that. And that I mean that was what Howard Baker, whose firm I now work at, Baker Donaldson, that was, you know, the risk that he took back during Watergate. You know, what did the president know? When did he know it? And if he did something wrong, whether you're Democrat or Republican, you stand up and take that on. And I watched that as a little kid watch those hearings. I knew Fred Thompson, the guy who actually came up with that line, uh, who was a senator. And, you know, Howard Baker was a hero there. And I hope we'll see more like that in the future.
0: Well, you hit on a, a crucial theme here, which is that the adults in the room, many of them seem to have disappeared. And uh, and worse than that, they uh, a lot of them seem like little kids in, in big people clothes. Um, you know, this was a Hollywood TV show, you couldn't even make some of this up. I mean, the fact that Donald Trump, the sorest of sore losers, in your words, uh, claimed that the election was stolen. There was no evidence the election was stolen. There was no evidence of widespread voter fraud. But he had a chief of staff who himself appears to have committed voter fraud to support Donald Trump. I mean, it's it's so thick with irony. It would be absurd if you pitched this. And no, and you, and you can't. They would say that's too ridiculous.
1: Yeah, no, and yesterday I was at a lovely, beautiful funeral service for my friend, Ken Duberstein, who was Reagan's last chief of staff. And what a contrast. And Judge Mike Ludig who was the you know lawyer, the judge who um, advised Mike Pence that no, you cannot do what the President is asking you and and did weigh in on that and has further discussed that He was giving his remarks, uh, which actually I think um, uh, Axios or somebody today had up online the beautiful remarks he made about Ken, and it was really you know talking about the values that we all shared on you know integrity and, you know, and accountability and working together with people. And there were, you know, both uh, former Republican and Democrat chiefs of staff who were there. And I thought, you know, I wonder what the likelihood, I never asked Ken, but I, I can't imagine <laughs> the idea of you've gone from Howard Baker and and James Baker and Ken Duberstein and Josh Bolton to, um, uh, to Mark Meadows, who I do think was the worst chief of staff in history that, certainly modern history that I know of, but I do thank him every day for being such a disaster um, and being so helpful in Donald Trump losing the election. I think he was key in losing that. And um, now he's paying the price in many ways, but uh, he uh, wasn't very good as a chief of staff from people both in and outside that I talked to. And, and now you're seeing his post-career not go so hot either.
0: Well, that, that's absolutely right. And, you know, um, you know God rest uh, Ken Duberstein's soul, as you noted, uh, former Reagan chief of staff. And there's an interesting side-by-side this week. You know, uh, an adult like Ken passed away and someone he worked very closely with, uh, Bill Barr, who became Trump's attorney general, uh, ended up uh, you know, back in the headlines criticizing his former boss, Donald Trump. But then there was an interesting turn this week. And I, I want to get your thoughts on it, because a lot of folks were hoping that Bill Barr would come out and just say it like he clearly saw it from the inside, which is that the administration was a total disaster and Trump was unhinged. And And to an extent, it sounds like the former attorney general is saying that. But then he was just asked the other day, if Donald Trump runs for re-election, will you vote for him? And and Barr basically said yes. So on the one hand, he said <laughs> the man was completely unhinged after the election. He almost upended democracy. But I'd vote for him again. <laughs> Ask
1: me to do well, illegal things. Yeah, no. And, and, and Bill is a friend. And I appreciate that he, first of all, that he wouldn't do the things, as it, it, nor would Jeff Rosen the things the president asked. And and I, I give him credit. I mean, he sat there in the White House and told him in no uncertain terms and pretty strong language that everything he was doing was BS and that his lawyers were a clown car show. And I think he was the rare person who talked to Donald Trump like that and was willing to, hey, yeah, fire me, I'll quit. I, I don't care. So I appreciate that he's done that. He also said that, you know, he'd obviously want to support someone else in a primary. I think, you know, yeah. I mean, I don't like when whether it's Pence or Christie, Chris Christie or um, or or Bill Barr or whoever else, Nikki Haley you know, saying, yeah, OK, but I'll support him. You don't need to say that. <laughs> and um, but I think that, that, again, that base. And I think that's what the concern is for Republicans, that this base feels like maybe Trump listened to them and nobody else does. So I think the challenge is for people to say Yes, we hear you. We understand. You know whether you know you're hurting because of high gas prices, or your kids aren't in school, or you don't. You feel like you've been left behind. We are the party for you too, and you don't have to have someone who is just surly and unpleasant. Like you might like that that he's kicking around your opponents, but what does that get you at the end of the day? So, you know, I, I think that certainly is a challenge. But I would point out for people who think, oh, gee, only Donald Trump can do that, in Virginia, in the reddest parts of Virginia, southwest Virginia coal country, Glenn Youngkin got higher numbers than Trump did, percentage-wise, because I think he got more women votes, would be, I I think, is the analysis there. But he did do better there. And um, he's just a nice, and he's a nice guy. So you don't have to have that toxic personality to actually do better. And he also has, Biden policies that are really bad. So you don't, I mean, Biden policies, I mean, when I ran in 2009 for the Virginia General Assembly, and then for Congress in 2014, I ran against first things that I wanted to do, but also, hey, and the the Obama-Biden policies I don't think are so great. So get back to talking about what you're for, and why the other guy's policies aren't helping the very people that you say you want to help. And I think, we can do just fine like that. And I think you're going to see some candidates prove that this year. But if we have some of these toxic, horrible Trump-like people, whether it's Joe Kent up in Washington, instead of Jamie Herrera-Butler, we could lose seats like that. And, you know, we deserve to lose. Republicans deserve to lose them if they nominate. I think some Republicans think, oh, it's such a bad year for Biden, we'll win no matter who we have. I don't agree with that. I've seen here in Virginia and a lot of swing states, certainly in my own case, where you can have a real swing when you nominate somebody who's just off the charts. And again, in Virginia, Trump lost by over 10 points. Glenn Witt, you know, does a 12-point swing in just one year by not being a jerk, just being a nice, decent human being. Like, how hard is that? Why do we have to cling to the jerk <laughs> when you actually have um good issues to run on and we have good people who want to get results on those things so it's to me it's pretty obvious like okay you could have a 12 point swing around or you can fight for those people who are going to lose and then you're all going to whine about you know voter fraud which we didn't have you know we won that glenn youngkin race in virginia without voter ID. Now I'm for voter ID. I voted for it when I was in the general assembly. I lost my, I both won and lost, you know, elections on uh, with voter ID and then Glenn won without it because he you know, spoke to people to parents, to mm-hmm. workers. And so that's that's you know, getting away from these phony big lie issues and getting back to things. I mean, look uh, Katie Britt in Alabama, Alabama, you know, Mo Brooks endorsed by Trump, he's trailing. And now Trump is even talking about, well, maybe I'll endorse more than one candidate. in some of these states where his endorsed loser, I think will be losers in a lot of the cases where they're going down, he's like, oh, maybe I should endorse somebody else. I would beg those candidates, stay away from them, be your own person, win on your own, and, and respect your voters and your constituents enough that you know you can lead them and the ish, and the ish, our issues. I mean, I trust our issues a lot more, I guess, than a lot of Republicans do. I think we're right on a lot of these issues.
0: Well, so I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I titled our podcast today: Will America reach its three hundredth birthday? You know, in any recognizable form. So you know, in this century, in twenty seventy six it sounds like a long way off. Uh, you know we'll we'll both hopefully be uh, in a better place or 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 hopefully at least not hell, Barbara. Uh, but you know if this uh, you know if this anti-democratic strain continues to course through American politics, you know do you think we're reaching our three hundredth birthday in recognizable form? <laughs> Uh, and, and what gives you hope that we're gonna, you know, conquer the radicalism that that we're seeing in the U.S. political system?
1: Well, I, you know, one of the things I do in addition to working at my firm is I um, I, I teach usually once a class once a semester, you know, kind of the Institute of Politics type type things, and work with students, you know, Democratic and Republican or, or non, you know, they haven't decided yet what team they are, and I'm very encouraged by young people and. You know they're the ones who are going to be um you know making these changes, and so I feel like investing in them supporting them, telling them that hey it's hey it's always been tough it's never been an easy business you know <laughs> you don't get into this expect you know you, you you win some and you lose some and you know there's some tough battles and you I mean look the Cheney family knows that better than others, but you just go out and you meet the moment and you do what you think is right, and you'll end up okay over the long term. I mean, people like Ken Duberstein knew that, and and, and Judge Ludig, who, um, you know, was uh, somebody a runner-up to be on the Supreme Court. He's, he's happy as a clam that he's doing the things he's doing, and he's been a great, you know, contributor to the American legal system. So I, I, I think I, I'm not one of those who thinks we're doomed. I really do think, you know, as Churchill said, the American people do the right thing after they've tried everything else. I think this Trumpism is is going to die out because it's disproportionately older, um, and, uh, and and it's just that that's where it's going. Young people are going to turn it around. Look, young people. That's why Zelensky, I think, is beating Putin and Trump at their own game because he's he's living the reality show that they just pretend to be in. You know, he's actually standing up and and being pro freedom and pro rule of law and and pro, you know, our NATO and alliances. And so this is the kind of thing that, you know, people respond to a leader like this. And so I think we have a moment here where those who can join that cause will be inspiring to not just to young people, but to everybody. So no, I'm very confident that the system that our founders put in place, that, you know, we've always tried to make better, uh, will continue uh, to be, I mean, look how we dealt with, you know, the pandemic, even with all the fighting and everything going there, that we got a vaccine that quickly and our scientific community leads the world and we're still leading the world on those things. And we've got to continue to do that. I think that's part of the battle with Russia and with China is that the U.S., a world where the U.S. isn't the dominant economic and military force, is a dangerous world. And I, I think we're going to see more of our leaders out speaking to that. And we'll get supported.
0: Well, one final question for you, Congresswoman, and that would be uh, you're a big supporter of Liz Cheney. You know, you talk about Zelensky. This is someone else who's shown political courage. Um, you're really hoping, like many, that she wins in her primary and that she stays in Congress and she can work to reform the Republican Party. Uh, if Liz does not win, uh, do you think that she should give consideration to running for president in 2024?
1: listen, I'm team Liz, whatever she wants to run for. So um, I do think she's going to win. and I think it's important she does. And I think it's going to be another example of where people say, even people who like Trump are going to say, you know what? I, you know, these unvetted jokers that Trump is supporting don't know my state, don't know my district, don't know the issues that matter to me and my family and my businesses, my community. And I'm going to stick with Somebody who's had a very good conservative record, a family that has served the state well for years. And I think people, even when they might disagree on things, like someone who's their own person, who stands up for themselves and is not cowering. I think I think it was um, actually Glenn Youngkin's campaign manager, Jeff Rowe, who has worked for DeSantis and Ted Cruz said something to the effect of, you know, people don't want a mini-me. You know, I mean, Trump is what Trump is, but the people who try and imitate him, it's a poor imitation. Look what how they're responding to J.D. Vance and Josh Mandel in in Ohio. Even Trump isn't that crazy about mini-me's. Um, so I, I think trust the American people that they're going to see through a lot of this and um, make some good, you know, th- there'll be some people who, you know, I mean, I'm sorry to see Adam Kinzinger leave, but he's being redistricted out more than he's leaving. I mean, much, you know, that's why he's leaving, not because of Trump. He would have Mm -hmm. stayed there. I mean, they wrote his district out. He didn't have a district. So when you don't have a district in a redistricting year, that makes it certainly, okay, I'll move on and do some other things, but he's going to stay active too. So I feel, you know, a few people with courage makes a majority. I've always believed in that whether it was the nixon impeachment or you know all these other things you know since i've been a kid you just see this time and again in history you know when i'm teaching the students you know tell them read those stories you know i mean yeah there's always setbacks you know it's not easy but you know in the long term you know you're on the right when you're on the right side um you're going to feel better about what you do and you're going to (laughs) win Well, in the Congresswoman- long run. Not always in the short run, but, you know, <laughs> That's right. uh, but you know, America's ended up on top because, you know, they do do the right thing. And and I think we will continue to do that.
0: Uh, your exhortation in this call is one that you have heeded very, uh, very much throughout your career. And that was don't be a jerk. And, uh, <laughs> and I hope that you're right, that more people will heed the. Tom Stock saying to not be a jerk in politics and we'll be watching very closely. That's
1: right. And get engaged in races. You know, if you're in Wyoming, get engaged. You know, send, you know, even if it's just twenty five dollars, send money, set, you know, get involved, knock on doors, support those candidates who, you know, are principled people and don't get caught up in who endorses people. Usually people don't care about that. They want to know you and know that you're going to be there for them. And that's why I think you're going to see a Jamie Herrera-Butler, you know, succeed over the Putin-loving Joe Kent that was endorsed by Trump. So, yeah, don't be a jerk.
0: Don't (laughs) be a jerk. (laughs) Well, Congresswoman Comstock, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your political courage, especially in these recent years.
1: Thank you. And likewise, and and thank you for all you're doing on, on giving a voice for a lot of folks out there. Thank you. Well, we appreciate
0: everyone for listening in. Uh, Stay tuned next week. We'll have more uh, very interesting leaders like Barbara Comstock joining us to speak, and we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much, everyone.